welcome to The Found Cause, where we found our cause and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Michael the Man Behind the Machine, and to my virtual front is lovely... Theodore, under the PC, under, under the person of Christ. PC. You know, every now and then, uh, Sebastian is lost on some sort of kayaking trip or finding socks under his bed. I don't know exactly what he's doing. He said he had to run errands. So me and Theodore, we text each other and say, what What are we going to cover without Sebastian? Sebastian's got like some some killer... Uh, video responses in there and Theodore's got like a jillion as we keep mentioning in this podcast and he has to pick one of his jillion to talk about and Theodore in full freedom and Christian liberty um, decided to pick a kind of interesting topic and I was trying to distill it with him before the podcast so Theodore how about you describe what the the impetus of this podcast is so my wife and I last night watched Father Stew <laughs> with Marky Mark and... yeah Mark Wahlberg is on yeah. there and I already had it in my mind to um, do some podcast on Luke's uh, chapter 7, verses 40 to 50, and Matthew 20, verses 16, and probably some other uh, tangential verses. And we watched Father Stew last night, and I thought, wow, uh, this really fits with some of these verses, and there's some analogies, examples that work well. So I thought, i give a little intro. Sure. You, Theodore is well known for his pre-written poetry, so uh, <laughs> dude, give it's it to It's not poetry, us. but it's written. Uh, <laughs> so Stu in this movie is a rough and tumble guy with a tough upbringing and plenty of sin in his life. His parents were separated or divorced, I'm not sure which, um, and, never, and they never expected much of him. Rather, they hoped he'd be able to stay alive. That's all. And he was a boxer. Later, he gave acting a shot in Hollywood and eventually came to pursue priesthood. And in priest school, I'm not sure what that's called, but he roomed with a guy Seminary. who was more... Yeah, I think they called it something else in the movie. Oh, okay. But some, like a specific seminary of some sort. I don't know. But um, so his roommate was more proper guy and who seemed to look down on those who were perceived to be more sinful was raised Catholic and expected to become a priest and seems to have been forced to be strictly focused on that his whole life. So with this movie, and which is a true story, um, in mind, I wanted to explore these verses on forgiveness, grace, and love. Yeah, and I think uh, to give it a Michael spin, I would say uh, there, there's an attitude that we all aspire, aspire to the male ideal. And I think what, what Theodore saw in Father Stu is that, that Christian male ideal, the confident giga chad who is not overbearing. Um, like sometimes the, the like symbolism for chad is like an overbearing jock. Um, but what we mean by giga chad is somebody who is fully trusting in Christ so that the, the waves of life don't affect them. Somebody who's generally unaffected by the instability of life. That's what um, wives look to in their husbands. It's what men look to in their leaders. And so we aspire to be that, I think, as Christians, somebody who's not tossed to and fro, but has confidence in our God who is unfazed. And so um, I think that's probably what spoke to Theodore's hearts, what speaks to mine in that kind of story, in that Father Stu kind of story, where you contrast um, somebody who's really got the fruits of the Spirit, like Father Stu. Again, it's not an endorsement of the Roman Catholic Church because we do not endorse the gospel of the Roman Catholic Church, which we believe is false. Uh, but as far as the story goes, you know, Stu's a real Christian and his roommate is not. And uh, what's what's the difference there? Like, how do you discern the difference? What's the, the core root of the difference between uh, a giga chad and just like an embittered nerd who um, says he loves God out of obligation? 
Yeah. So here we are on a quest to find the a distillation of exactly what creates a confident GigaChad Christian like Father Stu and how we can avoid being the embittered, obligatory Pharisee roommate. So let's do it. What's your What's your first verse on this, theater? Do you want to say, uh, <laughs> who knows if they're... Um, the fathers do. Uh, I won't like ruin or ruin the story if you want to watch the movie, even though it came out last year. Um, but yeah, it's, it seems obvious that God made like a significant transformation in his life. And also at some point, it seems like they kind of reconcile and there's a certain scene with uh, both uh, Father Stu and his roommate um, where it seems like possibly his roommate finally understood the gospel. So who knows? Uh, We won't make uh, judgments one way or another of these specific two people. Like Michael said, the Catholic Church. Yeah. More than eh, but yes. Uh, <laughs> this okay. is a story. Okay. Uh, for my intention sure. purposes, it's about fake people. Yep. Okay. All uh, right. So Luke chapter 7? Yeah, Luke chapter 7, 40 through 50. A parable of Jesus. Yeah. Um, let's see. Well, and Jesus answered him, talking to Simon. Simon, I have something to say to you he replied say it teacher Jesus said a money lender had two debtors uh, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50 and they were unable to repay he graciously forgave them both so which of them um, will love him more Simon answered and said I suppose the one whom he forgave more and he said to him you have judged correctly turning toward the woman he said to Simon do you see this woman oh goodness I guess I didn't give the back story. There's a woman who's basically crying in tears and washing Jesus's feet and her tears and perfume and perfume and stuff and drying his feet with her hair. Um, so Jesus says, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but, uh, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. Those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So we see with all that uh, uh, all that work that she did, he laid it out there. She washed his feet, cried over his feet. She's like repentance and truly trusting in Jesus and sacrificing herself for him. And then to conclude it, Jesus says, your faith has saved you. Your faith, which has resulted in these works, mm-hmm. certainly, um, but he did not point to her works as being salvific or something like that. It was faith. Yeah, I mean, we're not we're not really focusing on that today, but I agree. Yes, I, we had a right. in one of the Roman Catholic debates that never aired. Um, the the Roman Catholic that debated against me pointed to this verse and said that this showed that her 
um, works are what saved her, which is clearly not true. So that caveat being said, um, <laughs> I, I think, you know, there's so much to be said about this because there's stuff to be said about the Pharisee and there's stuff to be said about the woman and maybe it's Mary Magdalene, whatever. Lots of things to be said about this. But um, at base, this is the the kind of spirit that the Gigachad Christian has in that it knows, she knows, that she has been fully forgiven. And so instead of being embarrassed um, to go in front of Pharisees, men of high standing, men of high standing, emphasis there, considering the, the separation between men and women um, in Hebrew culture, she went before them weeping, uh, looking crazy, and touched Jesus directly, wiping his hair with, or wiping her hair on his feet, um, again, preparing him for burial. This is the the confident attitude. Again, she's weeping, so you don't think of that as being very giga chatty, but it is the the attitude of Christians, and that is we don't care. Like nothing can get in the way of us and serving the Lord Jesus Christ and being thankful, um, or at least it shouldn't. So I think you see a lot of posers, honestly. Like if you ever heard Christian testimony where like a 15-year-old is getting baptized, um, they often try to recreate this kind of forgiveness moment before the Lord. I don't think... They should fake it until they make it. I think they should um, serve well, but like um, they want to emulate this kind of scene where they they have broken down and they are weeping. I don't know that every single act of forgiveness um, will elicit huge weeping for Christians. Sometimes it would, um, but a lot of us that have grown up in the church, like there's not this huge weeping display necessarily. Although some nights I've wept and probably we've all wept a little bit. Um, but this, I think, displays the, the confidence that this woman would go and do it despite the, the disapproval of all the men around her, that she would go and serve the Lord Jesus Christ in front of them because of the forgiveness that Jesus has given her. So that's the, the Giga Chad lifestyle. Is that what you got out of this? Yeah. And relating this back to Father Stu. Mm-hmm. Um, so Stu had been forgiven much, uh, obviously, as you see in the movie. And he knew the power of God, therefore, and he could relate with the sin and temptation and depravity of man uh, that others that he saw in others, and therefore he was able to love them where they were and love them much. His roommate, however, at least to start, was methodical and studious and had a strong sense of duty, but his aim seemed to be a bit more about meeting expectations uh, rather than genuinely like a... Uh, coming from inward, comfort from mm-hmm. spirit, um, loving, meaner. Yeah, and when you do something out of obligation, never is the attitude like this, where you're willing to shame yourself. I mean, you might you might shame yourself if you're forced to in like a Japanese seppuku way, where you're being forced to commit ritual suicide, but it's not out of love. It's not um, emotional and confident like this woman is. It's reluctant and slow and half-hearted. So... Yes, when you've experienced uh, full forgiveness, it's so much easier to do this kind of full-throated obedience to Christ. And honestly, like, mm. oh, sorry, you think you think of people like like you have to be a father stew to um, know the dark side in order to to appreciate the light side. But I think the more we learn about the depths of our own sin and really God's holiness, the more we see how how dead we were so even like the goody two-shoes like me um who don't have like a deep deep dark background really do have a dark background if we if we truly know god's holiness we can all the more see like how depraved we are and were in and therefore see how much god has forgiven us so i think even the like non-motorcycle gang 
types of testimonies um, will have this kind of experience if they get deep in the Christian faith. Kind of just took away one of my conclusions. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, well. <laughs> but, but that's fine. That's fine. We can reiterate it. Sure. It's good. Well put. Uh, going to Matthew 20? Yeah, let's, let's uh, get another vision of the Giga Chad from Matthew 20. All right. So verses 14 to 16. The context here is there's a bunch of uh, workers in the field. Um, some work the eight hours, some seven, six, seven, five, four, three to one. Basically, they all work different uh, amount of number of hours. And yet at the end of the day, they're all paid the same. So verses 14 and 16 of Matthew 20, uh, take what it, uh, the master said, the owner says, take what is yours and go. But I wish to give to the last man the same as to you. It is not. Uh, is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own? Or is your eye envious because I am generous? So the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Uh, so Stu, again in the movie, had lived in decades of godlessness. <clears throat> and then he determined to be a priest. His roommate worked his whole life to be a good Catholic and seemed to enter the priesthood as if pushed into it and deserving of it or expecting it. Um, but both of them eventually attained the same thing, though effectively one worked for eight hours and the other worked for one hour. We all have a sense of justice and we want the best for ourselves or at least fairness for everyone, but grace is not fair. It is a gift. And our thoughts are similar to that of Satan himself if we are jealous of God's gifting. We are different individuals, each entrusted with something different, uh, we each are allotted a different portion or given a different skill, but we are brothers, co-heirs with Christ, different members of the same body. And if one of us receives a gift or skill or praise from God, then we can all celebrate and thank God because our body is being built up. After all, it'd be somewhat sick to think that you as an elbow should be the size of a foot or supporting five toes for some reason. Each member of God's body... Of believers is in fact commanded in Philippians 2 verse 3 to do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. And Romans 13 verse 8 asks us to owe nothing to anyone except love, which I might think is essentially saying owing nothing except everything because the law of love is astronomically harder than the law of works and scripts and rituals and love as verse 10 in Romans 13 clarifies, is the fulfillment of the law. Yeah, I mean, amen. I think that th there's an old, if you listen to the manosphere enough, um, of like man, man podcasters, manly man dudes, some of them are totally wrong and some of them are great. Um, there's an analogy that's given often, and that is a barrel full of crabs. A lot of men are like a barrel full of crabs in that as soon as one crab starts to crest the barrel's edge, this is really what crabs do, that's why they use it as an analogy, the other crabs try to pull that, try to pull on that crab to also get out. They're trying to ride him out of the barrel, but in doing that, they pull him back in. And so crabs often can't get out of their own barrel if it's a barrel full of crabs because the other crabs keep raining the other crabs in. And, and you see this in men in that as soon as one man in a group um, gets successful, whether he grew up on the streets and now he's starting to be successful, a lot of other men out of jealousy pull that man down 
um, whether intentionally or unintentionally, they're like trying to just get some of his gains and, and like, hey, can you give me some money? Or they they put him down saying like, oh, you'll never amount to anything. Like you're still a failure. Look at all your flaws. Um, come back down to us so that we don't have to feel so bad about being poor. Um, and in that same way, the the workers that were working in the parable in Matthew 20, they do not want to see other workers get more money than them or get the same amount of money as them because they just worked even though as the master reminds them uh, they agreed to work for one denarii that was what they they were happy to do it right okay i'll work for one denarii when they saw that other men who had worked less or had come later had were getting the exact same thing they wanted more now i bet they would have been happy had the master given those men less um but because he didn't they wanted more and it's that attitude that is not the Giga Chad. The Giga Chad Christian is happy with what the Lord gives him. Like you so eloquently put it, Theodore, when the Lord gifts another one of our brothers with a great gift, we don't have to turn around and say, why wasn't I granted that? You know, like I've been here for years and I don't, I'm not yet a, a brilliant speaker or um, great at relating with people or a master healer, you know, many, many of the gifts of the spirit, whatever they might be. We can celebrate with our brothers, not only because they, it's just, great that God has given somebody else something like we can celebrate with somebody else um, getting a payment from God but also like you said theater because they're a fellow member of the body so not only is it just good that God's giving grace in somebody but they're a member of our body so we can celebrate as if we had been given the gift um, so again the giga chad Christian um, does not look a gift horse in the mouth he doesn't look jealously on others um, if anything he's spurred on by the gifts of others just to to do more um, and, and to joyfully celebrate with others but again the spirit of the giga chad christian is one that's happy and confident and takes life on the chin and if he gets paid a denarius and, and others get paid the same or, or more um he's not upset he's just glad for other people's success amen yeah. <laughs> And it's way easier said than done, in case you're wondering. I mean, these, these are skills that are uh, simple to learn um, in your mind, but way harder to push into your heart. Because it is hard when you see a man get more successful than you. Um, I'm just going to think in the simplest terms, monetarily. Um, it's why people are so afraid of talking about money in culture, even amongst Christian culture, because it elicits jealousy. Um, sometimes it's out of pride, like somebody boasts in how much they're making. But I think oftentimes people are just afraid to tell others how much they make because it elicits jealousy. And um, there's all sorts of sociological studies that talk about nations that run on envy um, are also like extremely distrusting and they have all sorts of problems that run off of envy and um, better nations don't. And so in the U.S., it's it's not a good thing that United States culture is starting to degrade into a envy culture where you can't display any of your successes lest others drag you down like the crab barrel. So again, if we're going to restore this nation um, and if we're going to have a healthy church culture, we need to have a culture that builds other people up when they are successful and doesn't envy them. Yeah. Hmm. Um, <laughs> not sure where we go. It's like my well I mean, what so so theodore you saw that father oh. stew was uh, a genuine christian and the other guy wasn't yet i mean he comes to christ in the end then but what was the most striking part to you about him what was it his confidence in that he walked in or was it the fact that he was calm um was it what, what was his most striking thing that made you think oh this guy's really showing fruits of the spirit 
Oh, uh... Did I spoil some of the movie? <laughs> you spoil some of it, sure. <clears throat> um, he... Well, first, he gave... Like, the only reason he got into the priesthood is so that he could pursue a Catholic woman that he found mm -hmm. attractive at the supermarket. And... Um, but then after he got into the priesthood... He, I'm, after he got into the Catholic Church um, and pursued priesthood, he realized, okay, I can't marry this woman, but, I mean, what is greater than God? So he pursued God instead of, like, the woman that actually got him into the church in the first place. Um, and then after that, like, he got a rare disease, um, and you see him... Bringing, um, basically crawling up the church to like the or crawling to the front of the church just to lay, uh, just to lay there and be with God. Like when he couldn't stand up. Yeah. And... So, so what, how would you distill this? Like, um, dedication. He's dedicated to the cause. Yeah, uh, dedication, determination, not being swayed by anything. Um, actually, like the his testimony and uh, his his parents witnessing him actually brought his parents back together. So that's another nifty thing that you can glorify God for. <laughs> yes, on seeing now you now you are spoiling the movie, well. huh? <laughs> I, well that's not too much to spoil but i i think that um some of these things are obvious right like we've all read through the gospels if you're a christian you've all read through and, and heard these parables for even if you haven't read the par the actual gospels themselves you've probably heard these ones the the dead the woman with the alabaster jar and this this payment parable from jesus the the question is you know there's a lot of parables that are given by jesus and some of them are relevant only for some areas of life and so i think that it's useful to examine why we aspire to be these rare men because men like father Stu, the, at least the fictional character are rare it's, it's rare to see somebody who can actually handle the adversity well who can who can become in non-com situations and who can forgive and not envy like somebody who builds other people up these these are rare human beings even amongst christians and so yeah i think it's a super useful exercise like this to determine exactly what part of jesus's parables are uh the the thing to aspire to because i i often think we find that the wrong things are the easier things in parables to aspire to um like the parable of the prodigal son um, i think we all usually point to the son who runs away as the like us right and then we come to jesus and hooray um, that's great because we're gentiles and it's a bit of a parable between the gentiles coming to god and then the jews staying with god and being upset but as far as like personal challenges i think it's very easy to think okay so if i screw up i can come to god great there's not a lot of work there and that's it's really a sign of the father's grace that he comes running to you and you come back to him 
Um, but there is a personal challenge, and I identify with the Jew, the older brother who stays behind. Um, way harder to to be that, to be a man who has been working and plotting faithfully along, um, and to see somebody else get lauded and rewarded, and you not, not yet at least. Um, that's the challenge of the parable to me: is don't let yourself become bitter like that. And so I think often out of parables we get like the wrong ideas, or we take away the wrong main thing. Um, like I, I, I've often quoted that um, payment parable, the one that you already quoted from Matthew 20, um, to show that uh, God's law supports um, employer-based wages, not minimum wage basis, right? Because clearly Jesus does not think it is improper for um, everybody to be paid a different wage rate, right? It's that some people got paid one denarius an hour and some people got paid one eighth of a denarius an hour. And um, that's fine. That's that's not unrighteous, whereas many people would say it is righteous. And that's I, that's a detail in the story, um, but I do think the main thing we should take away from that is to make sure that we ourselves are not bitter when we see others paid um, the same as us for less work. I mean, again, and it's also a pair of yeah. Jews and Gentiles too, so it's you know, there's a lot of elements going on here, but I think as far as personal growth, um, you want to make sure you're paying attention to the right elements of Jesus' parables. And uh, another thing I wrote down with that, um, Stu obviously had a better, uh, well, had like had more love and also had a terrible, uh, worse life or more sinful life beforehand and whatnot. So one might think, um, and this biblical question as well, is it better then to experiment with alcohol, drugs, or sex and maybe steal something and spend a little more time in prison because it'll make you love more? Absolutely not. Paul answers this very question in Romans chapter 6, verse 2, responding with a resounding, no, never. Uh, if we continue to willfully sin, then we have not died to ourselves and therefore not alive with Christ. Um, and truly it is better that you now realize at any point in your life or as soon as you can in your life, realize the shallowness and insignificance of yourself without the source of love and salvation, um, which is Jesus. When without God, who is a propitiation and ransom for our sins, which is Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean that. It, that I mean, not only is it answered in the the scriptures right there, where it says absolutely not. You know, should we sin? Should gra- that grace abound evermore? Absolutely not. Um, I think we there's a there's a stereotype in hollywood and in stories that we that men see that i see and you like because they're very manly men and you think oh i want to be like that it's the the clint eastwood character in gran torino or some of these guys who are they're grizzled they're grumpy they're total loners they have they've broken every connection you know like clint eastwood and gran torino has no, has no family anymore he's left everyone he's abandoned everything he's abandoned his own family um, his own sons are hurting because of him but he comes to essentially adopt a Korean kid um, who's like a street gangster and like teaches him how to be a man and in that way redeems himself. And we think, wow, this grizzled veteran guy who kind of hates everyone and gives the stink eye to the world is such a manly man. We should be like him and then get softened. Like, wouldn't that be such a great story? And like you said, Theodore, we should take the scripture at its word to say it's actually, I mean, God writes that kind of story in many men's lives, and that's the best kind of story that that kind of man is going to have because, of course, God writes good stories. 
But we who know better, like it's, it's so much better to never get yourself in those situations to begin with. God redeems those scenarios. And of course, he's sovereign over everything. So he knew those scenarios were going to happen. But it's far better to not sin and grow into virtue without having to go through um, the, the sin to begin with. So better to be the Giga Chad from the outright um, than to have to like be an evil person to then become good. So don't get confused by the strength of the contrast, how, how great of a contrast it is that somebody like Father Stu was once bad and is now good. Um, the goal here is the good virtue. It's not the, the contrast necessarily. Like let, let God write the contrast uh, between your old self and your new self. Um, you focus on the pursuing of righteousness. Should I do a concluding verse? Yeah, close Maybe. us out. All right. Um, Titus uh, chapter 3, verses 3 to 6. And this applies to all Christians. No matter if you are as spick and span as Michael, <laughs> which, uh, uh, yeah, never mind. Or, <laughs> I don't know. I'll just say as spick and span as Michael or as terrible as me. How about that? That runs um, the full gamut. I think that covers everyone. Right. Applies to all Christians, for we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, and in whom we have found our cause. <laughs> and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. What an excellent conclusion. You know, this is going to be one of our few episodes that's like around 30 minutes. I can't believe it. It's two in a row. Thank you for watching. I've been Michael May behind the machine, and two of my friends have been... Theodore, under the PC. If you want to see the rest of our episodes, you can go to foundcause.podbean.com and download them all for your listening pleasure. That's audio only, though. If you want to see our lovely mugs, you're going to have to go to YouTube or Facebook and follow us there at The Found Cause. We're also on Spotify and iTunes and wherever else you might listen to your podcast. So until next time, we talk about something completely different. Thank you for listening. And remember to always go in Christ and be the Giga Chad Christian like God made you to be. Bye. <laughs>